0: just personally have been convicted about the way that I approach prayer and think about prayer especially in light of the coronavirus and all that's happening in our nation and in our world and uh, I just don't want to approach prayer like it's some last resort like I guess I'll pray Uh, we who believe that the Lord hears we are called to be people who have confidence in our prayer life and so as people who believe that God hears our prayers that he cares about what we're saying and that he acts on behalf of what we're saying. I just encourage us to uh, be people of prayer this week, to be intercessors for everything that's happening. Uh, And as I said, even though we're kind of meeting this way for a negative reason, it's also exciting because New City has been wanting to kind of explore doing host homes actually for a long time. And so uh, it's kind of fun to do a trial run. And this is how the early church met. we know that. Um, and so we really believe that even though we're not in the plantery, even though we're not all physically together, that uh, the Holy Spirit's going to work in each place tonight. So let me pray. There are the Campbells. Hey guys, welcome. Uh, let me pray and then we're going to jump in to Mark chapter 7. So let me pray for us. Lord, I thank you that uh, your word says indeed that where two and three are gathered, that you're there in the midst, Lord. And so I thank you that you are with us at each host home tonight as we dive into your word and we long to hear from your spirit. Lord, I ask that um, anything that is from me tonight would just fall on deaf ears, but what is from you, that it would take root I pray, Lord, that um, your Holy Spirit would speak to us, that he would make us more like Jesus tonight. And, Lord, I pray especially that we would just continue to fall in love with the Word of God as we see the Son of Christ portrayed in it. So we love you. Um, Be with each host home in the midst of of us, and um, we just believe that you're working. In your name we pray. Amen. Awesome, so uh, let me read for us, hopefully you've already read through some of it, um, I know we've here, but let me read for us again verses 1 through 5, and then we're going to dig in. So Mark 7, verse 1, I'm reading from the ESV, it says, Now when the Pharisees gathered to him, to Jesus, uh, with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled that is unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands properly, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands now in a twist of uh, dark irony the Lord gave us this passage this week which t- which talks about washing hands uh, I promise we didn't choose this because of the coronavirus um, and I want to say please let's all wash our hands that's a good thing um, but this context is talking about something totally different um, so yeah we see here that Jesus is is going to all these Jewish cities and he's getting constant resistance. Every time he's there, he's being um, attacked verbally and questioned openly in front of everyone. The Pharisees and Sadducees are constantly um, finding him and trying to accuse him. So now he's going around to these Gentile cities and yet we still see that they're sending people to accuse him. And I want to say first that I have a lot of respect for Jesus in this passage because he just he just totally disregards what would have been really controversial in that time period. He doesn't allow what would have been okay to say and not say affect his message at all, especially to the religious leaders of that day. And I know as a teacher, uh, that really challenges me. So I hope it challenges you as well. So we see here again in verse 1, A group from Jerusalem sends these Pharisees and scribes to go and find fault with Jesus. And they are traveling over a hundred miles. Like very intense. They're really set on finding fault with Jesus. But they can't. They can't find a single thing that he's doing wrong in this passage. But they find something wrong with his disciples. His disciples are eating and they had not washed their hands first. And this would have been a huge transgression in their day. What we need to know is there's actually nothing in the Mosaic Law at all that talks about washing your hands before you eat. Um, It's not in there. But what happened is the Pharisees had added these layers to the commandment of God, to the law, over time. If you remember from uh, my last sermon, we were talking about Sabbath and all the things the Pharisees had added onto Sabbath. It's the same thing here. They had added all these regulations. And it's interesting the phrase that they use here why are your disciples, Jesus, not holding to the tradition of the elders? Right? Why are they not holding to these traditions? And I think one of the most disturbing things, as somebody who part of my story is that I came out of a lot of religiosity, uh, the disturbing thing is the manner in which tradition, little by little, ends up overtaking the, the commandment of God. And when I say tradition, by the way, I don't just mean in the classical sense. I mean anything that man says that we, that we elevate to the same level of scripture, tradition of man. And what's what's worrisome is that what can happen is you start to have the commands of God and then these traditions of men, and over time we find that these traditions become at the same level, and if we're not careful, over time they even become more important than actual scripture, than the commands of God. And that's what's happening here, is nowhere in the law does it say anything about washing hands, but that was the tradition of men in their day. And so they're holding it to an even higher standard. And the thing is with this that we actually can't be yoked to two masters. The tradition of man and the commandment of God, which is contrasted all throughout this passage, those are actually two separate yokes. And we can't be yoked to both, right? We have to be yoked to one or the other. So, and I want to say too, by the way, uh, what's interesting is the Pharisees were worried about them washing their hands, not because they thought there might have been some dirt on the fruit, but because when they would go into the market, they would rub elbows with the Gentiles. And that made them ritually unclean, and that's what they were worried about. So we'll get back to that in a little bit. So we have to ask this question... Washing our hands, as we all especially know right now, is a good thing, right? Yes, please wash your hands. Um, It's a good thing. So why does Jesus react so harshly? Why is it such a harsh reaction? Uh, Let's read verses 6 through 9, and then we'll talk about that a little bit. Verse 6, And Jesus said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, and he quotes Isaiah here, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrine the commandments of men. You Pharisees, you leave the commandment of God, and you hold fast to the tradition of men. And he said to them, You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God, in order to, to establish your own tradition. And so Jesus, he reads this prophecy from Isaiah, which, by the way, it would just be awesome to be somebody that Jesus quotes. That's pretty cool. I was thinking about that today. Um, but he, he says, you hypocrites, you hypocrites, you teach your own doctrine like it is the commandment of God, and it's not. So again, we ask this question, if washing our hands is is a good thing, why does Jesus react so harshly? Like, pick your battles, Jesus, right? Like, this is maybe not the battle to pick. But what I want us to see is that, again, these Pharisees were adding to Scripture, and when the people didn't obey what they wanted, they told them they were in sin over it. They added these layers, and when they did not do that thing... They told him, you need to repent, you're in sin. And it's a dangerous thing to do. I want to I wanna also reference a few other passages, and I want us to just notice, these are both quotations from Jesus, one in Matthew and one in Revelation, and I want us to notice the way that Jesus views Scripture. What is his theology of Scripture? So I'm going to quote first, Matthew 5. He says, Therefore, whoever relaxes one of... One of the least of these commandments, and we can say by extension, adds to these, and teaches others to do the same, will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great. He says, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. This is the kind of thing he's talking about with these scribes and these Pharisees, right? And then I also want to quote for you Revelation 22. Notice what he says. He says, I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away the words of this book, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described So this is how Jesus views scripture. I know these are weighty things, but this is something he takes so seriously. That we're not to add or subtract from the commandment of God. And we so often do. We so often do. I want to ask you guys, and you who are um, listening in, have you guys ever had somebody tell you that you were in sin over something that actually wasn't biblical? I know I have. And even worse than that, I've actually been the one to tell somebody else that they were in sin over something that is not biblical. And let me tell you, it's not a fun thing on either side. Um, Part of my testimony is actually, and the reason I'm so passionate about this is because I actually spent years chasing after A lot of things that were the tradition of men and not the commandment of God spent years of my life. And so I think the reason why Jesus, you know, you're going, wow, geez, washing hands seems like a good thing. Jesus's harsh reaction is because this is a dangerous theology. It's a slippery slope. And these elders are causing the people to hold heavy yokes that they're not supposed to be carrying. And he's not going to stand for it. So let's get practical. Like, what do I mean by some of these things? And again, notice some of these are good things, but they're not the commandments of God. What are some of today's traditions that are held? Maybe what we eat. Has anybody told you you were wrong for what you eat? Or being concerned with how well-dressed you are for church. Maybe you've come across that. What kind of music we listen to? And maybe even some sorts of liturgies that are held throughout the church. I'm going to repeat, some of those are good things. They're okay things, but they are not matters of righteousness. They're not the command of God. And we need to make a very stark distinction. And my prayer, even as I was studying this, is that the Lord maybe would liberate some of us from some things that we've been told are sin issues and are not. Or maybe he's going to convict us of the things that we have been lording other people and that's not our place to do. Let me also just quickly say uh, that we are living in an age and in a time when the word of God is under attack on all sides. And unfortunately, it's under attack by both the world and in some cases the church. It's attacked on all all across the spectrum uh, by charismatics and academics. And so we as believers need to be vigilant in testing all things and holding purely to what the Word says. We want to love the Word of God because Jesus loves the Word of God. If you don't hear anything else, notice the way that Jesus views Scripture, and we need to adhere to that. Um, I am going to skip over verses 10 through 13 for the sake of time. Um, I encourage you to read them. Just know that at the end of verse 13, Jesus tells these Pharisees, he says, You make void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and many such things do you do. So once that little bit has a foothold, it opens up the door for all kind of other things is what he's saying. Let's now, I'm going to read verses 14 and 15, and then we're going to skip down a little bit to 18b through 23. Let me read those for us. It says, And Jesus called the people to him again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. Jump down to 18b. He says, Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him, since it enters not his heart, but his stomach, and is expelled? Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within... Out of the heart of man come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they are the things that defile a person." So Jesus is making this statement. He says it's a matter of the heart, right? They were worried about washing their hands, and he's saying, no, no. It's not what starts outside of the body and gets in. It's what starts inside the heart, in the secret place of the heart that comes out. That is what defiles a person. One thing I think is interesting here to know is that he declares all foods clean which is just interesting for us in a day and time when that can be a little bit dicey. But also, what, what um, he's really getting at here is that this was a huge dis- a statement about the distinction between the Jew and the Gentiles, right? In the law, this was the primary thing that separated those two groups. And even though he has not yet given the mandate to, to give the gospel to the Gentiles, to all nations, He's going to, and even now he's preparing a way for that. He's saying, no, I'm making all foods clean so that there can be unity between Jew and Gentile. So the thing I want to point out in this latter passage, uh, most importantly, is that we have two opposing views of man. The Pharisees believe that man is essentially good, and so you need to, men need to be protected from all these outward things that could come in and corrupt and defile, right? And Jesus is saying, no, that is not the truth. Men, man is actually essentially wicked and evil, right? We know this proverb says the heart of man is deceitfully wicked. And it's actually only by a purifying and a cleansing from the inside out through the work of the Holy Spirit that somebody can be made clean. Those are two very different worldviews. And so this is why the Pharisees were so caught up in this hand washing. They're worried about all these outside entities corrupting the body, and yet Jesus knows better. And I want to break down for a minute this list of sin. I know it's heavy, um, but I want to break this down and really get into the definitions of what these mean jesus says from within out of the heart of man come firstly evil thoughts this denotes the idea of planning wrongdoing looking forward to the next wrong that you're going to do sexual immorality this would include uh, premarital sexual affairs or unnatural sexual affairs such as homosexuality thirdly thievery This is the idea not of big thievery, but of little small petty pilfering, little shoplifting, taking a little extra, taking something from work, that kind of a thing. (laughs) Uh, Murder, which of course in the Sermon on the Mount we know that Jesus says if you've even had anger in your heart, it's the same thing. Adultery, breaking the marriage covenant. uh, Coveting, this is a A continual desire that you look around and you always want what other people have continually. Wickedness. This is having a literal delight in any wrongdoing that is done. Deceit. This is what happens when we purposefully trick somebody. Uh, Sensuality or maybe a better translation would be licentiousness. This is ooh, this is a hard one. This is somebody who does not want to be restrained. They don't want to receive correction. They don't want to be restrained or discipled in any way. Envy. This is the evil eye that doesn't like others having what you have. So you want to hoard all your things and not give and not share. Slander, which is of course gossiping and insulting. Pride, which is contempt for others. And the elevation of self. And then lastly, foolishness, which is purposefully playing the victim. And I know this is an intense list, it's a weighty list. But what I want to say to us is that Jesus doesn't actually come to reform our action. He's not worried about what you wear to church, He's not worried about all those external things. Even though some may be good, He's not worried about those, He's worried about the condition of the heart. He sees all things, right? Scripture says nothing is hidden from his sight. And so he doesn't come to reform our actions. He comes to cleanse our heart from the inside out. And I hear, I was just thinking about this. I hear a lot of talk from the world, maybe even sometimes the church, this message of, you're good enough. Don't worry, you're good enough, you're good enough. And I think even though this may be a harsh, a hard word to receive, for me it was actually very liberating to realize like that is not the truth of the gospel. The truth is that I need Jesus, that my heart is deceitfully wicked, and I can only be cleaned through him washing me. So actually, I can't strive, I can't get there, I can't earn it. I need Jesus to come and do those things. And if there's any good in us, if there's any righteousness in us, it's because of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and so maybe, you know, I know that's a pretty intense list and you're going, well, I've never murdered anybody. But I don't know about you, I have a lot of anger over things. Or maybe you're like me and you find yourself sometimes only doing the right thing when people are watching. Those, it's those small seeds of sinfulness, they're not from outside, they're from in the heart. And these things are what defile. But I want to give us this good news. I know that's kind of a rough landing. I want to give us this good news. If you're hearing this and you're thinking, gosh, I've really been holding to traditions of man. Or you heard that list and you're like, man, that's me take heart that that conviction is actually the Holy Spirit working in us. That is the Lord loving us. It says, if actually, if we're his actual children, then he'll rebuke us in love. It's the Father shepherding heart for us. And so um, be encouraged by that. And so I have a few, uh, a few questions for us at each host home to talk through as we think about this passage. Two of them are for our group setting, and then the third one is something more personal that I want us just to take and ask the Lord in our quiet time this week. So here are some questions. The first one is, what traditions of man have we elevated to the level of commandment of God? And again, these can be even seemingly good things. Uh, what have we what have we ascribed to that we've maybe lorded over other people or have allowed people to put on us? Second question is: Do we view Scripture the way that Jesus is, Jesus viewed Scripture? What is your theology of Scripture? Let's talk about that. And then the third question, which again is not for this time but for you to take and really talk to the Lord about, is: What inner sins? Even small inner sins are we festering, and how can we allow the Holy Spirit to wash us clean this week? I want to encourage us that there's no sin that's too ugly that the Lord cannot completely restore and redeem. It's actually what He loves to do. Scripture says that He waits to redeem us. So be encouraged in that. I'll repeat these really quick, and then I'm going to pray. And we will release you for the rest of the evening to talk amongst yourselves. So quickly, what are the traditions of man that we have elevated to the level of the commandment of God? Do we view scripture the way that Jesus viewed scripture? And what inner sins are we festering and how can we allow the Holy Spirit to wash us clean this week? Let me pray for us. Lord, I thank you that your word is beautiful and holy and set apart for us i thank you that the primary way god that you choose to speak to us is through your word and i pray for us as a church filled with young leaders lord that we would understand that it is a working from the inside out that you do lord That it's what comes from inside out that defiles. And only by the washing of the Holy Spirit can we be made clean. I pray that that's a freeing thing for us today. And Lord, I also pray for us that if we have held on to traditions of man, maybe knowingly or unknowingly, we ask that you would reveal that to us. We long to cling to your word and your word alone. So I pray that you would give us grace, Lord, to even have hard conversations around this and to ask you to lead us into all truth. And lastly, Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're the comforter, that you comfort us when we are broken, even over our own sin. And Lord, I even thank you that you are the comforter in the midst of this crazy season where this coronavirus is affecting so many people. We thank you that we can go to you and you can give us a spirit of peace, a peace that actually surpasses all understanding. I'm just even reminded that your word says that you are an ever-present help in time of need, that that's who you are, Lord. So we say that we trust you in this season. We worship you in season of plenty and in seasons of want, Lord. We love you and we love your word. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. Be blessed, and we can't wait to hear about the fruitful conversations that you guys are going to have. We'll see you later.